This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The video of American basketball star Brittany Griner as she's about to be detained in Russia, is eerily silent and almost completely mundane. Uh, here we go. I got the clip. But I asked insiders Meredith Cash to watch it along with me anyway. So I'm currently looking at Griner stepping through a what looks to be a metal detector or an X-ray. This video was shot on February 17th. It shows Griner going through security in a Moscow airport when she's suddenly pulled aside. The camera cuts to an overhead shot. You can see an officer pulling one item and another out of her bag. Once they were searching her bags, obviously, you could you could see that there was sort of a change in everyone's sort of demeanor in the video, even though it's silent. Russian customs officials say that they had a dog who sniffed out Griner's bag, and that's why they searched her uh, belongings. Um, and they claim to have found a vape pen with cartridges containing uh, cannabis oil. A quick note here. Drug laws in Russia are pretty different than they are in the U.S., a Russian official called this cannabis oil a narcotic and said Griner was being investigated for large-scale transportation of drugs. That charge could mean about a decade in prison. Does that follow to you, that they would find a vape pen in her bag, like as someone who's covered Brittany Griner as a person? I mean, I think it's possible. The thing that strikes me as odd is that Brittany Griner has been traveling back and forth from Russia since 2014 very, very consistently. I mean, she spends at least half, if not the majority of her year overseas, and she's been playing in Russia for the almost the entirety of her overseas career. So she knows how to do this. Right, exactly. You know what stood out to me about this video? She's wearing a Black Lives for Peace sweatshirt. And then she's arrested. It's just, it's so discordant to me. Yeah. As an observer. I think it's tough to imagine, you know, this six foot nine black woman who is pretty well known in Russia as well as obviously in the United States as an American professional basketball player, walking through a Moscow airport and being stopped by coincidence, right? Whether or not they knew her as Brittany Griner, she clearly sticks out from the pack of a, of a who you can imagine was traveling through this Moscow airport. Um, and 
yeah, I think the fact that she was wearing that sweatshirt just sort of is the, I don't even know if irony is the right term, but it's just, it really encapsulates the, the entire situation in a, in a sadly ironic picture. Today on the show, Brittany Griner's arrest raises so many questions. Is she a political prisoner? Is she just caught up in the Russian justice system? And will she be back in the States anytime soon? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you ever seen Brittany Griner play in person? I've never seen her play in person, but I've watched a lot of tape, uh, both from college and her professional career and playing abroad, frankly. I think she's changed the way that many of us look at women's basketball, both at the college level and the professional level. Why do you say that? She plays the game with such physicality and she's such a presence that I think, I think for a long time, women's college basketball was not, or women's basketball in general at both the college and the professional level was seen as not as physical obviously not as competitive and I'm speaking on behalf of naysayers out there, but you know, Griner is one of those players who like when she was coming out of college, there was real speculation that she might try to join the NBA. Like the NBA, NBA, the men's NBA. Yes. And I don't know if there was any real teeth to that, but the idea that the American public could look at a woman playing women's basketball and say, that's a baller she's six foot nine. If she's not the tallest player in the WNBA, she's tied for the tallest player. I don't believe anyone else is six foot nine. It's pretty rare to see a woman dunk at the college level or in the WNBA. It had only happened a few times. And in both cases, she became uh, the leading dunker for the NCAA and now the WNBA. She just can do that. She's a seven-time WNBA all-star. She's a two-time gold medalist with Team USA, and she's a starter on Team USA. She's an incredible player, and she's at the peak of her career, close to it, and so this timing really couldn't be worse, and it's a huge loss for the WNBA. So why is this huge American basketball star playing in Russia in the first place? Yeah, that is a loaded question, Mary. Essentially, 
you know, roughly half of WNBA players take their talents overseas. At least this past year, it was half of the league who played overseas during the WNBA offseason. And the reason for that is to supplement their WNBA salaries. How much does she make a year? In the WNBA, she's set to make roughly $230,000 this season. For the whole year? Yes, that's the league maximum. So she's making as much as any other top player in the WNBA. $230,000. That seems really low if you compare it to the NBA. NBA players make tens and twenties and so much more than WNBA players in salary. How much does she make in Russia? Over a million per season. Whoa. Reportedly. There's no public record on that. As you can imagine with all things Russia, it's pretty, uh, pretty wrapped up in, in lore, but I have it on relatively good authority that that's close to accurate, if not accurate itself. And she's been playing over there since 2014, I think. Yes. Yep. I've seen video of her playing. The crowds seem to love her. The announcers seem to love her. She seems to, like, legitimately have a big fan base over there. Yeah. The same way that in the United States, watching her play is just revolutionary and spectacular, I think even more so over there, right? There there are not a lot of six foot nine women anywhere, but I think in Russia, seeing seeing someone like that play is just beyond anything you've ever seen before. And she plays for a team that is known to be a powerhouse throughout Europe. They have won the EuroLeague championship many, many, many times over. This is a Katerinburg. Yes, UMMC Katerinburg. And she is on that team with a number of fellow WNBA superstars. Not only do they all go overseas to play in Russia, but they all play on the same team. Hmm. This is basically a WNBA all-star team abroad, uh, and they do this every year. Is it strictly a money thing that is getting players like Brittany Griner to up and leave the U.S. to play abroad? I think there are reasons for going overseas that don't revolve around money, like the ability to stay in shape and and work on your game and get more playing time if you're not one of the players like Griner who is already a superstar. You know, the WNBA is incredibly competitive and only has 12 teams, so top players from the college level are often left off rosters or, you know, sitting on the bench because it's just that competitive. I sense a um, butt coming. He, well, yeah, there's, there's a very large butt, which is that, you know, there are other ways to, to scratch those itches that aren't spending the majority of your year in a foreign country, particularly when you're playing in a country like Russia or a China or a place that's just so foreign. And frankly, at this point, I can't imagine you don't look at it as a player and say, wow, this is, this is at least a little bit dangerous now. You're, you're not really doing that if, if not for money, frankly. And 
several players uh, have said as much. Something that's interesting to me is that it seems like players and and even the WNBA itself had already begun to think about the way that their players going abroad could be problematic. And it started putting these incentives in their contracts to try to dissuade players from going abroad? I think dissuade is probably too strong a term, right? I think the league itself understands why players are incentivized to go overseas and make money. They have a limited window within which to take advantage of their talents and and, uh, make money off of them. And so if that's the best way to do it and, and a way to secure yourself financially into the future, the league has to understand that. They, they do understand that. Um, that said, if there are ways to make up some or all of that money in the States, the league likely would prefer that for players. And I think players would prefer that. If there were a viable option to make that money, most players would want to stay close to family, stay in their markets, and do things at home. Greiner herself has alluded to the strange isolation of playing overseas. Five years ago, she talked to ESPN about it. I hated it at first. I hated isolation at first. But I've grown. I mean, when you're stuck in it so much, you you got to find the positive in it so you're not miserable. So I kind of had to turn it into something good. Normally we have practice around 10-ish. Then it's like, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? It's freezing cold outside. I sit here and I watch movies all day. Play video games till like 9 at night. In their last contract negotiation, the WNBA tried to open up opportunities for players to get paid for staying home. But the money... It just isn't a match for what a player can make abroad. The league is offering opportunities for players to stay home and basically work on behalf of the league, doing media events, showing up to the NBA All-Star Game, for example, and just being ambassadors for the league. At least that's how it was framed when... Uh, collective bargaining agreement negotiations were first happening uh, in 2020. Uh, Based on some people I've spoken to, there are only three players on league marketing agreements this year. And they are all all all-stars from this past season, but none of them has the name recognition or the league presence that a Brittany Griner has. A number of sources I've spoken to have suggested that Essentially, no real big superstar would ever end up with a league marketing agreement because it just doesn't make financial sense for them. There are better ways to make that money. When we come back, now that Brittany Griner's been detained, her supporters are facing a choice. How loudly did they fight to get her home? Earlier this month, Meredith Cash was able to interview the commissioner of the WNBA. 
Her name is Kathy Engelbert, and she asked about Brittany Griner's detention. Meredith wanted to know why the league was not pushing harder and more publicly for Griner's release. It was bizarre to me, frankly, that everyone wasn't pitching a fit. How would we be reacting as as a group if this was Tom Brady or this was LeBron James? But I've since learned from speaking to Kathy Engelbert and other sources that this, this is by design. There is an advantage to staying quiet publicly and negotiating behind closed doors. And certainly those close to the situation seem to believe that that's the best way to do it. And I think, I think from my understanding, it's because the less clamor there is in the United States, the less leverage you're giving Russia in the event that this is a political move to use Greiner as a negotiating chip. Just a few days back, the U.S. consulate reported that a government representative had been able to meet with Greiner and that she seemed to be in good condition. But Greiner's wife has taken to social media to express just how upset she is. People say, stay busy, she posted to Instagram, addressing her wife directly. Yet there is not a task in this world that could keep any of us from worrying about you. The representative from the U.S. Embassy said, you know, she's all right. And I think you have to take every report with a grain of salt unless it's coming directly from uh, American sources. But one of the Russian sources said she's, uh, I want to get the phrasing right on this. But essentially, the idea was like, she she's calm and and dealing with the the situation she finds herself in something along those lines yeah the reporting i saw was that she was reading dostoevsky and in a cell with two other women and her main complaint was that the bed was not big enough for her because she's so tall yeah i i mean the the reporting is that she's okay and that the the biggest challenge here aside from the bed size is is the uncertainty of the future of her case, right? Russia has already extended her detainment. The court system basically has free reign to to keep you in custody for a very long time on little grounds. I wonder if the experience of other Americans who have been detained in Russia can help explain what strategy is the right one here. Like I was struck by the family of a man named Trevor Reed, who's a Marine veteran who was arrested in 2020 and and he was sentenced to nine years in Russian prison for assaulting a police officer. His family has been trying to get him released and they've said that initially they were quiet about their experience. They didn't want to speak out. But then they completely changed course and they spent a lot of money to try to get the attention of the American audience, not the Russian audience. They, they've actually said they were naive to pursue silence as a strategy. What's the right path to take here? You look at a case like that and you become discouraged. I don't think it's fair to make it a one-to-one given the fact that Griner is a well-known entity. A public figure. Yeah. I think it's just a, a it's 
it's a very, very different situation than anything we've seen before. And I can't imagine that this is something that would just go away, right? I think we're we're coming up on the WNBA season and surely the WNBA does not have the same following as major professional men's sports, but there are fans who are going to clamor about this and people beyond the WNBA universe are, are clearly voicing their opinions on this at this point. Um, whether or not the concerted effort early on to, to keep quiet about all of this was, was the right step. It, it, it seems as though it's broken open at this point. And so I think it's just going to get louder from here. You mentioned how Brittany Griner is well-known and has fans in Russia. How is her arrest being covered in Russia? Do you know? Every piece of information that we get out of Russia on the American side is sort of viewed with the lens of, oh, this might be, this probably is a political case. The timing is suspect, all of that. You know, that's that's not the way it's viewed over in Russia. It's just the straightforward case that someone brought cannabis and now they're being brought to justice. Just as anyone else would be. Yes. It's interesting because Vladimir Putin, his rhetoric towards the West has gotten so much stronger as the war in Ukraine has escalated. He's really talked about Westerners and their values as bad or decadent. And it just strikes me that here he's detained a black gay woman who was theoretically carrying cannabis oil. And it just makes me curious if he's going to make her into some kind of symbol of the West. I do think it's possible. I don't know if there's any evidence of that at present, but I do think that that is part of the concern from people close to Griner at this point. You know, concern for her safety is based in concern that Putin could use anything about her or her being or just the fact that she's an American as, as an example and can punish her accordingly to, to make a statement. Yeah. I hear what's happened with Brittany Griner, and I can't help but think back on how just a few months ago I was doing a show about tennis player Peng Shuai and how she'd gone missing after speaking out about the Chinese Communist Party. I wonder if the people you're speaking to are making those kinds of connections too and thinking about how the sports world intersects with authoritarian governments more generally. I've definitely heard Brittany Griner's name mentioned in line with Peng Shui multiple times. Uh, Obviously, both cases are very different, but when you when you zoom out, it's the idea that a public figure somehow stands either uh, outwardly and explicitly or more implicitly in their being in contrast with the authoritarian regime and the authoritarian regime makes an example of them as a result. All I can say is that I hope that that's not the same case for Griner and that this is a situation that can be resolved via 
the U.S. government, but it's tough to say right now. It's really hard to to know what's coming next here. But I can't imagine if you're one of the players who regularly plays overseas in Russia, in China, which are two of the biggest destinations in terms of paychecks for WNBA players. I can't imagine that you're not thinking twice about it after watching what has unfolded with Griner. Griner's detained right now through May 19th at the least, right? Yes. By uh, May 19th, the court has to decide, basically either they have to say, okay, the investigation is over and it's time to start a hearing, or they can once again extend her detainment. But if you look at this case and it runs its typical legal course, it is very likely that Griner winds up uh, convicted and imprisoned. And she faces up to 10 years. It's it's hard to say if she will get that much. Certainly, we hope that she won't get that much in the event that it plays out that way. Um, but there's a 99% conviction rate in Russia for these crimes. Um, and so, yeah, doesn't doesn't look good on that on that case. Do you expect to see her back on the court in the United States? I don't. I don't. Um, even if she came home tomorrow, I think she has a lot of, I have to imagine, she has a lot of work to do to heal, right? This is, this is a terrifying situation. Any of us who goes through something this traumatic would probably want some time to gather themselves, right? And, and, and get themselves together and make sure that they're okay and, and comfortable before putting themselves in the public eye. And so, again, I can't speak for Griner, but I do know that in 2020, when the league was in a bubble due to the pandemic, she left midway through because she needed a break mentally. And the team and the league, they were all positive about that situation or supportive of her. And so I can't imagine that this is a situation that is not stressful enough to warrant similar treatment, right? She deserves the as much time as she needs to to recover. And I'm I'm sure she's not inclined to jump back into the public eye and travel from city to city and compete at her best right now. But I don't even expect that she'll be home anytime soon. Meredith Cash, thank you so much for telling me a little bit more about this story. I'm really grateful. Thank you for having me. Meredith Cash writes about sports over at Business Insider. And that's our show. Before I go, I just wanted to let you know Slate is currently having a sale. You've heard me say this before. It means we are giving you 25% off our Slate Plus membership for the first year. But you got to go join now to get this deal. You know why you love this show and everything else that Slate does. So support us. Show us how much you care and that you want to support the journalism we're doing day in and day out. You get great benefits for joining, like ad-free listening to this podcast and all of our other Slate podcasts. 
plus special member-exclusive content from podcasts like Amicus and Political Gabfest, along with unlimited reading on Slate.com. So help us keep Slate and What Next going by joining us. Just go on over to Slate.com slash What Next Plus. Again, it is 25% off for your first year for a limited time. So sign up now at Slate.com slash What Next Plus. What Next is produced by Carmel Del Shad, Mary Wilson, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Alicia Montgomery. We are getting a ton of help these days from Anna Rubinova and Laura Spencer. And I'm Mary Harris. I will be back in this feed bright and early tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.